1: Hey, welcome into the Stinking Truth Podcast. Mark Schlerth alongside my co-host, Mike Evans. We thank you so much for uh, tuning in. You guys have done a great job of that. Make sure you subscribe, share it with your friends if you like it. If you don't like it, keep your mouth freaking shut, all right? That's the rules here that we play by. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm
0: great. I'm great. I'm um, curious. To see what you think about what's been going on with the current running back situation in the NFL, Saquon Barkley says he's not likely going to sign his a franchise tag as the Giants get their their program underway. Right? Is that a how how, how concerned should Giant fan be about this? Well, I mean,
1: listen that position. Gosh, I mean, I came in the league, that position was so much different. Like, the, yeah. the value of that position was so much different than it is now. And I understand, you know, the Giants franchising him, but I also understand not wanting to pay a guy and, and hamstring your kind of cap based upon the longevity of those guys. And, you know, obviously Saquon Barkley tore his ACL, what, in his second season, then his third season. Like, he bounced back last year in, what, his fourth season, Uh, I think it's his fourth season, but he was phenomenal last year. But it really took him, you know, all that time after the surgery and then a full season before he really became Saquon Barkley again. And he was great last year, but very interesting with the New York Giants, how much of that offense sits on the shoulders of Saquon Barkley. And, you know funny kind of a funny story doing a Giants game early in the season and Brian Dable's just one of the great dudes in football he's just like one of those guys you you root for because he's just brutally honest and he is who he is and he's just a good dude and um so the narrative out there from the general media in New York was halftime adjustments Man, this this squad is so good, and Brian Dable is so good, and Mike Kafka is so good at the adjustments. Like, they make so many in-game adjustments. And it's second to none, the way they're doing that. And so I'm in a meeting with Brian Dable, and I just am like, all right, you know, the, the, I've read all these articles, right? And, <laughs> you know, I've watched all the film, and I'm like, you know, Give me the scoop. What 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 is it that makes you guys so good at these adjustments that you make at halftime or in game? And then he goes, I I call down to Mike Kafka and I go, give it to twenty six. Because that's the only adjustment I make, is how many more times can we touch can twenty six touch it? Both running the ball and passing the ball. So we don't make any adjustments our adjustment is handed to 26 more. <laughs> like, that's that's the whole game. Like, it's a pretty simple game. I always say one of the things that fascinates me about football is the juxtaposition of complexity and simplicity. It's a simple game. It's a complex game that's really simple. And, um, you know, when you give it to your best player and you let him wear down a defense, it's amazing how many other things open up, how the quarterback run opens up, how the option, you know, the, the – uh, the ability to run play action opens up and all those things and so um, Dable keeps it very simple for his players but that offense is so tilted that offense is so dependent on number 26 that um, he's a He's a vital cog to, to making that thing go.
0: So I think I speak for every fantasy football player out there the frustration at times about the way that running backs are used mm-hmm. and the way that teams use their running backs running back by committing everything what what has changed? Why has it changed because when you played there was there was a badge of honor to the idea of the workhorse, Cow running back, the guy that was out there getting 25, 30 carries per game, the idea that he he doesn't really warm up until he gets to, like, 18 carries. Why has the league gone away from that to the point where these running backs, really, it does feel like they're completely devalued?
1: Yeah. Well, they have been, um, and they do take a beating. Like, all that stuff is true. Um, Part of it is just the way – you know, the part of it is just the way we run offense. Like in, in my time in the NFL, um, and Washington we were a little bit different because Washington was a three wide set, um, you know, before three wides became kind of the mm-hmm. standard operating set. Like we were one back offense a lot. Um, and we had great blocking tight ends and things of that nature. And if we wanted to get into two backs, we didn't have a fullback, we had what we called an H back which was a big burly tight end. Ron Middleton was kind of one of our big H-backs. Terry Orr was a big H-back. Donnie Warren was a real Y on the end of the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. tight end. Um, but the base personnel groups in in my time was 21 was the base, meaning two running backs. You had a tailback and a fullback and a tight end. And so you know, obviously you have five eligibles. So 21 personnel means two backs, fullback, halfback like I said tight end so that's three so then you have two wide receivers right all equals five now the base personnel group is 11 so you got one back you got one tight end and three wide receivers so it spreads it out a little bit more because you're throwing the ball with so much more frequency now I have to have a guy that can do everything Mm -hmm. and there's there's just they just don't make those guys because I think it's become so much more individualized from the college game to the pro game, that now they have that. Hey, this guy's really good at this, and this guy's really good at that. But we need a guy that can catch the ball in the backfield. We need a guy that's a good blitz pickup guy. We like, and so now it's become more about well, this guy's really good at this, and this guy's really good at this, and this guy's really good at this, and and you're not producing as many three down backs. Sometimes you're not producing guys that can really just you know pick a hole and and understand the importance of um, of of as Mike Tomlin once told me, not every mill's a buffet. Right. <laughs> sometimes sometimes you gotta understand uh, you putting your foot in the ground and going and getting us yeah. a, a a nasty four. And if you if you have that mentality and you have that guy that can do that, oftentimes the guy that can give you the nasty four isn't good at Catching the ball in the backfield, or so it, it's just become much more of an individualized sport, if you will. And I think that's I think that's why you see that change. But Saquon is one of those dudes that is that three down back that can give you that you know burst that can give you the nastiness that can. Um, you know they can they make the big play in the running game and, and can catch the ball in the backfield.
0: Even though I was talking about how the running back position seems to be devalued, there is a lot of value still out there with some running backs. Sure. That the longer we go on, the more that you're going to be able to get some of these guys on really team friendly deals. You're talking Zeke Elliott, uh, Leonard Fournette, uh, Kareem Hunt. Uh, Jarek McKinnon. right? Yeah, uh, These guys are, are all out there. Latavius Murray. Right. I mean, there are a lot of running backs out there that maybe instead of looking to the draft for
1: a running back, there's some good veteran value out there. Yeah. Guys with proven resumes. I think one of the things you look at, and, and this is one of the ways things have changed, um, and it's changed this way with a veteran quarterback like Matt Ryan's out there. And like, is anybody going to bring him in during this time of the year? No, probably not. But you see what you have during the OTA and minicamp kind of portion of, of football. And I think the same goes for these running backs. We know that Zeke has a skill set, right? We know that a guy like uh, Leonard Fournette has a certain skill set. Um, we know what those guys are. And those guys, because they've got some wear and tear and you know, they've got all that stuff, Those guys are going to probably be around. uh, Latavius Murray is going to probably be around for a while. So why wouldn't we groom the young guys that we have on our roster right now, maybe go out and draft a guy, and you see the kind of impact that Isaiah Pacheco had as a seventh rounder for Kansas City. Go draft a guy, um, and let's see if we can develop one of these guys. And guess what? If we decide that we're a little thin there, we pick them up, after the last cut first week of the season we pick them up put them on our roster and now we don't have to guarantee the entirety of the season right we don't have to guarantee their salaries for the entirety of the season so I think part of that is just the numbers game and, and managing you know managing your cap so I, I think there's a lot of that that's going on right now in this in this portion of the NFL season.
0: So you get teams that are going to be opening up their offseason programs here, the Broncos, because they have a new coach and Sean Payton have been able to get an early start on things. And it's already been interesting for guys like us who've been covering the Broncos for a long time, how different it is because Payton's come in and really it's like a news blackout. Mm-hmm. Um, they've begun their off season conditioning program, No press conferences, no interviews with the free agents that they signed, Mike McGlinchey, Zach Allen, new coaching staff. Vance Joseph is back as the defensive coordinator. We haven't heard from him. And there's been some debate about is this the right way to do things or what about the idea that as a fan base you want information, you want to be able to meet the new players, and Peyton is shutting
1: all that down. Right. And I've heard the narrative that, uh, oh, it's it's narcissistic. It's all about Sean Pate. It's all, which to me is a bunch of baloney. Like, this has been a clown show for seven years. Just an absolute clown show. And now an adult comes into the organization and takes over and says, we are no longer going to operate like a clown show. We're going to operate like professionals. The very first press conference, and you remember it because you were there just like I was very first press conference Sean Payton had, he talked about what we need right now is more anonymous donors. That's what we need. And I don't need TikTok videos. I don't need Instagram videos. I don't need videos of you guys working on. I need you just to do the work. Not get credit for it, you know, on, on social media platforms. I just need you to do the work. And this is not about promoting ourselves and it's not about press conferences this is about coming in and working together challenging one another having that competition internally and getting better as a football team it's about building the culture and I think one of the the one of the coolest things that happened to me this year as I traveled around the NFL doing games is I was doing a game late in the season in New Orleans and so you know you come in and you, you, you have a time you meet with everybody like you come in early you put your you put your bags down and you got the room where you're going to do these interviews with the players and the coaches right and uh i think we did a couple a, a couple interviews with coaches before practice and then we had a couple players after practice and that type of thing so we do a couple interviews bam we knock them out um and we go down we have lunch you know and it's a great lunch and then we walk into the, the lunch room in new orleans It's connected to uh to a big practice, indoor practice facility where they practice a bunch. So we walk in there, and I'm standing on the sideline. I'm watching, and one of the things I'm always looking for is like, okay, um, they're in a first and ten period. Okay, what what personnel groups are they in first and ten? You know, are they two back, are they are they one back, are they like what? Are, like what? Are, what are we looking at here? Because they've got a scout defense out there, right? So I'm like, okay, they're in this. They think they're going to get this. They're attacking this. What whatever, right? It's red zone. Okay, now they're in the red zone. What are they going to? You know, what are they going to do? So I'm watching this, and a guy saunters up to me that's been a part of the organization for probably, I've known this guy for 25 years, and and um, he comes sauntering up for me, and we just start shooting the breeze. Like, you know, what do you think? How's it going? Blah, blah, blah. So we start talking about the football team. And, um, and we're just kind of shooting the breeze about the Saints in general, kind of where they are right now. And he goes, you know what the biggest problem with this football team now? he says this to me unsolicited unsolicited and so now I'm all ears right like no I don't know what the biggest problem (laughs) is to tell yes (laughs) and he said Sean Payton walked out of this organization and the fear walked out with him and I was like wow that's profound because and I've said this on this podcast before the two types of fear you know the biblical fear which is awesome reverence and respect and just straight up fear I don't do my job. I'm going to get fired. And the bigger part that this particular individual was making, the biggest point is it's not just the players. That's part of it. More importantly, it's the coaches. There isn't that fear that I'm walking on eggshells upstairs, and if I don't do it the right way, and if my players aren't performing, that's a direct reflection on you as a coach. And, like, there is that lack of – almost a sigh of relief he walked out the door and all the coaches went oh. it's like the substitute teacher coming in for the day right right right. everyone relaxes right and and so that's a that's a big aspect of of football or organ, just any organization i think like there's got to be there's got to be consequences if you don't get your job done and and why is the idea of the the football
0: dictator carry with it such negative connotation for some. Because I look around the NFL, I look at some of the most successful models. Uh Bill Belichick's a dictator. Um, John Harbaugh. Sure. I'm sure there's that same kind of fear in the Baltimore building. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you can rattle off. You've been in all these buildings around the NFL. I'm sure you can name at least six, eight teams where you have that kind of a feel. And something tells me it probably
1: are a lot of the Successful teams, right? Right. There's, uh, there is no question about that. Even when I was here in Denver playing, and Mike, Mike Shanahan, Mike yeah. Shanahan, uh, there was like, there was no question who was in charge, who was running the organization, who had his fingers, you know, and his fingerprints on every aspect of the organization, right down to what coffee we drank in the morning. <laughs> like that was all. And and you know how many times like I had this kind of. Uh, Like, this kind of relationship with Mike where I could go up to his office and say, hey, Mike, I I was thinking about something, right? And how many times coaches would come up to me and say, hey, man, Mike's lost his mind. (laughs) Like, can you go talk to him about this or can you go talk to him about that? They were
0: afraid to talk to him. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, hey, dude, dude, stink, stink, stink. Come here, come here. Yeah, what's up? Can you go talk to Mike? He's like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, schedule whatever, whatever it was, right? Whatever it was, um, and that was that was part of the organizational structure. And you know, I mean, we get we're just such a mamby pamby society. We get so oh we can't offend anybody, and oh you know all this garbage, right? Um, and there got there's got to be like the most regal person on the planet, that, the most regal person that I've ever been involved with. Guy that I had just so much respect for, Joe Gibbs. I mean, just so much respect for. Um, was in charge like that. Mm. Is and there? Is it, there a, but, and, and he would he would, without equivocation, is that the right word? Is that a is that a word? Ah, sure, it's close enough. It, with, without hesitation, he would fire your ass without even thinking about it, if you didn't do your job, as a coach or as a player and and like hey no hard feelings you're not good enough uh, and nothing if i can ever help you in any other fashion any other facet of life you don't yeah. don't hesitate and and meant it and was all about it but don't do your job guess what you don't get to play yeah, here anymore okay you been to pittsburgh you referenced mike tomlin is yeah. is there is there a sense
0: of fear oh, in, the, y- in the pittsburgh building because and and the reason i bring up tomlin specifically is because he's oftentimes referenced as the, the new age type of coach who's a player's coach. But there's a, there's a level, there's a, there's a point where being a player's coach is still, there's fear there. And there's no doubt who's in charge.
1: Listen, man, I've been at, at practice, that dude is large and in charge, and there's a level on a Friday of competition going on within that organization where it's palpable. Pete Carroll in Seattle, same thing. Yeah, The, the level of
0: confidence. Comp- so so yeah, th- there's all that. The moral of the story is it's a good thing.
1: It's Yeah, it, it, it is a great thing. And just uh, real quick, addressing the claims of narcissism, um, and I've told you this before. I've never told this on this podcast. I go way back with Sean Payton, okay? So I'm probably biased to a degree, but I go way back. Uh, he had me come into the Saints – all the way back in 2010 to speak to the team. So I did that. We've had this relationship ever since. Um, I'm out in New Orleans because my son is pitching at um, triple-A ball. I think he's with Miami. He's playing against this New Orleans team. I think they were the Baby Cakes at the time, whatever they were, um, which is, a, you know, whatever. Kind of strange. But <laughs> anyhow – so I'm I'm there and it's during training camp and so I call Sean, I go, Hey man, I'm I'm in town, can I swing by practice? Oh yeah, 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 come on, come on. Get practice, you know, I show up the facility, bam, they let me in. Sean meets me, so oh, and they're just walking out to practice fiddle stretch. goes, Let me show you some stuff. Walks me through the facility, shows me, hey, this year. This is what we did. We redid the lockers, and look at these. He's the, he showing me the lockers and how they have these shoulder pad dryers. You know, it's really humid in New Orleans, mm-hmm. like this, so. You put your shoulder pads on here, and phew, it dries, so they're they're not wet for the next practice. You know, all this, uh, this, all these bells and whistles. Right, and this locker room is beautiful. It's just beautifully done, and. Um, Walks me, you know, into the training facility, and they've got, you know, new hydrotherapy unit. We did this hydrotherapy unit last off season, and, and we did this cryovac unit too last off season. So every year, when my players come back, they've got something to look forward to because they—it's all about the players and stuff. And then we go upstairs. He goes, "Come, come upstairs. Let's go grab a cup of coffee before we go back outside. Whatever. We'd go upstairs." It was the same damn carpet that was there. In 2010, this is probably 2018 you know, that I was it's eight years later. That carpet hasn't been changed since the 70s. The coaches' offices are like they're garbage. His office, tiny little office, and it's all about serving the players. So then we go back down. We go back down, and we come out of practice, and they're just you know starting a practice. And before he goes and does his coaching, he says, "Hey," he stops me and goes, "If there's anything that you see." that you don't think we're doing correctly or you don't think he's being coached correctly or you think there's a better way to do it, it goes, stop the drill and get involved. Oh, there's a narcissist, right? Stop the drill and get involved. And, I mean, that's, that's how they operated down there in New Orleans. And like that, you've got to have, you have got to have, one, you just got to have a ton of confidence in what you're doing. To be able to say to somebody like me, hey, if you see something that you think we could do better, mm-hmm. don't hesitate to step on the coach's toes. Like most guys are so afraid of you circumventing their authority, right? You emasculating them in front of players. But they had there's so much certainty and, and confidence and and belief in what they're doing that and and the what it conveys to their players is hey, man, we want to do what's best for right, you. We right. want you guys to have success. And if, that, if there's a different way to do it and it's better than the way we're doing it, let's do it that way.
0: Good stuff. Great stuff. Well, we're two weeks away from the draft. NFL mm. draft is coming up. Yeah, And it's, it's a crazy time. It's a fun time. And it, as always, tends to revolve around the quarterbacks. And this looks like it's going to be a bumper crop of quarterbacks. We could have upwards of five quarterbacks go in the first round. Four maybe go in the top Mm. ten. When when it comes to the philosophy out there that teams embrace when it comes to drafting quarterbacks,
1: do you agree with it? Um, in that just pick a quarterback, any quarterback, or got to have a.
0: There seems to be that mentality of hey, listen. We need a quarterback. These are the ones that are expected to go in the first round. Let's get one.
1: Right. Um, well, part of that is, you know, it, it sells hope, right? We kick the can down the road. As you always say, it sells hope. Hey, man, you know, everybody gets excited about the new quarterback, even if the guy can't play a lick. And then the next thing you know, Baker Mayfield's on his fourth team. Um, you know, and that's, that's that's what we're selling. and you know you hope to catch lightning in a bottle and and what it ends up doing is it ends up making teams draft second and third round talent in the fourth round or in the first round that's what it ends up doing and you know it all came about in the last collective bargaining agreement this was what it was this was truly what it was all about was that whole rookie wage scale was truly about let's be able to just draft quarterbacks whoever comes out let's just draft them create that buzz, create that excitement, but it doesn't hamstring our, our franchise for the next 10 years because we don't have to pay them the way we used to have to pay them. And so obviously, you know, it, it, it allows you to check whatever boxes you need to check without real accountability. And, and so do I like what's happened? No. Do I understand it? Do I get it? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to go, I mean, think about that 2018, the, the, you know, I mean, that 2018 draft of quarterbacks was being compared at the time to the 83 class that produced Elway and Marino and, and, um, Jim 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 Kelly Kelly and Todd Blackledge, right. Pat O'Brien, uh, Tony Eason. Yeah. Tony Eason, um, yeah, the, who was the Jets guy? It was, uh, was it Pat O'Brien? No, it wasn't no, Pat. Ken O'Brien. Ken O'Brien. Ken O'Brien, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. So, yeah, so, like, it, it was being compared to yeah. that. Now look at it. Mm-hmm. And Josh Rosen's on his 17th team. You got Baker Mayfield literally on his, I think, his fourth team now. Sam Darnold is now going to be a career. He's in San Francisco. But, I mean, come on, you've, you've played 60 games, right? You're, you are what you are. You're a backup. Obviously, obviously, uh, um uh, Josh Allen has, you know, has thrived, as has Lamar Jackson. But uh, number one overall pick, number three overall pick, number what, nine overall pick are all flamed out. Mm-hmm. And so it it just is it it creates this opportunity to, you know, not crush your franchise when you you choose unwisely. But the argument the counter argument to that
0: is that the position is so important. Uh-huh that you either have a quarterback or you don't, that it's worth taking the gamble. It's worth sure. doing your research on a guy arriving at the point that, you know, really this is a second-round grade, but we need a quarterback Right, picking high. Let's go for it. Yeah. With the hope that we get Josh Allen or the hope that we get Joe Burrow right. or the hope that we get Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. You know, somebody like that. Uh and, and pay no attention to Carson Wentz and Marcus Mariota and Baker Mayfield and, and Sam Darnold and all these quarterbacks that were taken high up
1: that flamed out. Is it, is it worth the gamble? Yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think it probably is, Mike. I mean, you know, you look at the – just look at the AFC right now in general. And you just mentioned, you know, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, uh, Patrick Mahomes – um, I don't know who I'm forgetting, but just in the AFC, oh Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. Like, soon
0: just, to be Aaron Rodgers. Right. Just <laughs> in the
1: AFC alone, look at uh, that is a that is a treasure trove of great young quarterbacks. Um now for you know, for every one of those great young quarterback stories, there are two that failed or three that mm-hmm. failed. But if you get one, if you if you land on one, if you hit one and you and you groom that guy properly because there were a lot of questions about Josh Allen even after year two and three. Mm-hmm. You know, is he ever gonna be accurate? Is he ever, like, there was, there's a process there. So, no, I think it, I think it, I understand it. I understand why it makes sense. I understand why you take those gambles. But if you're an AFC team, it's
0: interesting you brought that up. You just got
1: me thinking about this. If you're an AFC team,
0: let's say you're like the Colts, right? Uh-huh. Do you draft a quarterback that high knowing that, let's say you hit on a guy uh, and he emerges as a, as a as a good, potentially maybe even great quarterback, is he still going to be better than Mahomes? Is he going to be better than Burrow? Is he going to be better than Allen? Right. Is he going to be better than Herbert? Is he going to be better than Rodgers in the short term? Uh, my point being would you be better off just saying, hey, let's build a really good football team right? and use that pick and then try to get a good quarterback but not necessarily swing for the fences for a great quarterback? Because even if you do hit, What's the odds that he's going to be the best quarterback, or the second, or third, or fourth best quarterback in the AFC? By the way, I left Trevor Lawrence out.
1: Of right, there, Trevor you know? Lawrence, yeah, left him out. And Russell um,
0: Wilson, of course, going to have a big comeback. Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think you, you definitely, uh, especially, this, and this is what is, is the beauty of the rookie is that um, you know the rookie, the rookie contract is that you know you're not paying that guy anything, so. I can still draft that dude and still potentially build a really good roster around that guy. And you know, I think that's the I think that's the philosophy and then you just got to hope that you know you, you one play, it's one game. It's not, you know, it's not the NHL or it's not the NBA where you got a seven game series. Mm-hmm. It's one game. Can we beat that dude one game? Can we put a devise a game plan or can we put something together to to get that guy for one game. You know, and Let's face it, Philadelphia did it for a half this year in the Super Bowl. Yeah. They just forgot to show up for the second half. Was like it, it does take four details. quarters. Details. The details details of the whole damn yeah. thing. Yeah. Anyhow, I'm looking forward. Like I'm I, I know here in Denver, where you and I live, there's not a lot of you know, there, there's five draft picks and they don't start until the third round, 67-68. But uh for the most part, man, there's there's some excitement brewing in this draft and to see where teams go and to see what teams do with these quarterbacks is uh it'll be interesting. And you being of course a former 12th round draft pick, you uh, don't even, always don't pay even close start don't even this, start uh, with me. Don't start with me. 10th round folks. I know. I know. I by the way, there but, isn't a 10th round anymore. But I would have been cuz now even in 7 rounds there's still more picks. So I still effectively even as a 10th rounder would have slid in as Mr. Irrelevant probably somewhere in there, which would have been a great story. You would have loved that. Oh yeah. Oh, you would have
0: embraced that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Go Vandals. There you go. Proud and true. That's right. Came a tribe from the North Braven Bull. Brave hey, boy. guys. every For everybody, I, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast. Uh, we really do appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll be back with you next week.